Welcome to the Nerd Tutorial Podcast, a podcast offering discussions and tutorials on nerdy subjects for people who aren't necessarily nerdy themselves. With you today is myself, your nerdy tutor George, and with you today, one of my absolute greatest cycling heroes, my mom. Oh, why, thank you. Now, before we even get started with today's topic, I want to say that my mom is going to be writing the AIDS Life Cycle. And if you can, it's a wonderful charity event that where my mom is basically going to bicycle all the way from San Francisco all the way down to L.A. over the course of several days, and she's bicycling, not, not riding a motorcycle. She's going to bicycle over 545 miles up and down hills for about five and a half, six days? Seven. Seven days. Seven so days. I will put a link on our website where if you're interested in donating to her particular ride, you can, so that way we can help raise a lot of money for AIDS awareness and... Science they do. And study. They do mobile testing. Yes. So that's uh, that's. I think that's a big gain over the last couple of years is the ability to bring testing to um, communities, mm -hmm. including homeless communities. Absolutely, because again, I mean, it's 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 a disease that continues to ravage the world. There's not really a cure for it at any particular level. So, in the most you can do for the most part is kind of just deal with it. And yeah. They've, they've got ways to stabilize it. Absolutely. But on to, on to today's topic, and today's topic is actually just the beginning of what is a month-long topic. Cause, I'm intrigued. I have no idea what this is. Well, it's a topic that's very near and dear to a lot of nerds. It's Star Wars season. <laughs> There's something new coming out because I see Baby Yoda everywhere. Well, okay. Well, that's a completely different thing. Baby Yoda is not... <laughs> maybe the, Baby, Yoda, <laughs> Baby Yoda is from a different show, but the... But the genesis of this was because we have Star Wars: the Rise of the Skywalker coming up here, opening on July on uh, excuse me December twentieth, and so we're gonna do like a bash for the entire month on Star Wars stuff. So we're gonna go over, we're gonna talk today, obviously, a tutorial on what Star Wars is and kind of the logic of it, and then we're gonna go through the different trilogies over the next few weeks. So, and the way I figured what you're gonna do it is we're gonna do it in the order in which Star Wars would like us to do it. So, but, but you say that with a frown on your face. I, I say that with I say that with some skepticism and shenanigans in it. But, um, but no, let's go into a tutorial on what Star Wars is. It's a very sci-fi heavy series created by George Lucas back in 1977 after he finished American Graffiti, which was also a very interesting 70s movie. Um, and Saw American Graffiti when I was. 16 years old. Oh, well, and again, I mean, like, you would be kind of in the prime in which Star Wars came yeah. out. You could speak to the notion of, like, these basically lines that just generated forever. Oh, I could. The, the yeah. origin of, like, what was... I have a story about that one. Even better. I mean, and the origin of basically what a blockbuster is at the end of the day. Yep. Um, and one of the things I did want to start off by talking about with Star Wars is that Star Wars is a sci-fi fan... is a science fantasy series, not a science fiction and there are people who will be a little, um, will kind of play the same term as like a hard science versus a soft science fiction. Now, the reason I say this is, is that um, they used to have a term for hard science and soft sciences, and we consider hard sciences like biology, chemistry, things in which we have known provable outcomes when we, when we conduct them, versus what we would consider soft sciences like sociology, criminology, social sciences, things like that, essentially, at the end of the day. Things that don't necessarily have a defined outcome or a 
predictable outcome in a lot of cases. Like, you know, we can predict who's going to win the presidency until the cows go home. It doesn't really matter until the votes actually come in. Right. You know, and very much one, you know, how one person thinks may not necessarily influence exactly or be the exact same thing versus somebody else's way of thinking because there's a world of spectrum there versus like two plus two is always going to equal four. It never equals five unless you're rounding up for twos. Okay. So... Um, so that's kind of the idea of like soft soft science fiction and or soft science and hard science where it comes into our sci-fi science fantasy sort of thing here is that um, the difference in sci-fi fantasy and science fiction is kind of a be kind of your ability to allow it to be realistic versus fantastical. So like a good example might be that like Game of Thrones is a hard medieval fat is a hard medieval series versus. Lord of the Rings might be more considered more like a soft science, soft fantasy series or fantasy, medieval fantasy, I guess, maybe. Okay. Because, again, much in the same way that, like, um, Game of Thrones here treats itself very realistic. There's not very many fantastical elements. Even when the dragons actually start popping in, they're new. Like, they're not an immediate sort of thing. They just kind of come about as being new things that are happening. The new and, magic and you only happening. have one witch. Yeah. And again, magic is very, very rare in the world of Game of Thrones. Right. Versus Lord of the Rings, like you have elves, you, you have, have Gandalf. Gandalf, you have goblins and orcs and trolls and dwarf halflings. You have this myriad of fantasy elements onto it. And even then, even though we have this myriad of fantasy elements, not really well explained where any of this came from so long as it just exists. Well, and interesting that you point that out because with Game of Thrones, they are, they are humanoids. Mm-hmm. As opposed to to all the other options that you just listed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a oh, good and a good okay. example of where we might have like science fiction versus science fantasy here is definitely going to be science fiction would probably be something like Star Trek, where it treats like a lot of its technology as hard and th- hard science sort of elements here. Like they, you could technically read an owner's manual for how Star Trek stuff works. And it all kind of makes sense to the most part, escaping the logic that there's not really any sort of gravity technology to keep us upright in space. Warp speed doesn't really exist, you know, and Klingons and these other sci- other like aliens don't really exist, but there's enough tangible logic to it at the end of the day that the series has done a great job that it could realistically exist. Because it's the future as one might foreseeably see it. Yeah, and as realistic as possible, yeah. you know, versus Star Wars is very much a sci-fi fantasy because there's a lot of elements that don't make sense in, sense in it. Like, you can't really have ships in space doing these elaborate banking turns and movement and everything. Like, that's not very realistic, you know, because, again, the amount of forces acting on a ship to get it to do like a you know to just basically stop in space turn backwards and move around is a lot of forces on something so the millennium falcon isn't just like turning on its side and going no i mean like i mean it might be moving through space and spinning around stuff but the number of you never see any sort of like thruster elements or anything on it like obviously you know the elements of jedi and sith magic like that there are magical elements of that and we'll talk about that here in a bit don't can't really ever exist as far as we are aware of right um but maybe the, but again like so that's why we consider it a science fantasy versus a science fiction, fiction. got it and some people might even say like a hard science fi- might be like star star trek again might be a hard sci-fi versus 
Star Wars being a soft sci-fi. The, these kind of terms do come up periodically, obviously. Um, but let's talk about some elements of Star Wars. And I think the big one here is the Force. Yes. Um, the Force is kind of this energy that kind of exists throughout the universe. Some people can tap into it, some people can't. And it's kind of like... Um, kind of like being in a pool almost like if you're in the pool you can feel the waves moving up and down you can feel when somebody else jumps into the pool and if you're wet you're wet it's really hard to get dry when when you're in the pool at all um but the force allows you to do a number of different uh, fantastical things like you have the ability to um lift stuff with your mind so you've got uh telekinesis you can also have telepathy where you can read some people's minds you or you can um manipulate people manipu this is this is not the... These are not the droids you're looking for. for you. So, um, but it also has some tangible elements of precognition and ability to kind of power up your body in some ways, make you stronger, make you faster, make Levitate. you more... Levitate. Yeah. Yeah, so the Force is very unique. And of the Force, we have two kind of major users of the Force, which have very different philosophies between them. You clearly have the Jedi, who are these good, noble kind of users of the light. They're uh, the of, knights. Yeah, they're very, like, honorable knights at the end of the day. They're actually known as <clears throat> Jedi knights. Oh, okay. There we go. Yes. Yeah, and so they're very honorable sort of uh, valoristic sort of individuals, um, but they abstain from, like, feeling and force. They're more like, they would rather, rather uh, talk out a situation versus, like, letting it dissolve into a fight, but they're ready to fight if necessary. Um, versus the Sith. These are your bad guys. You know, these are people who believe in love and passion and putting every all of your energy into the Force because it's going to get you a greater outcome out of it. And typically, you know, they reward desires for power and stuff because it's going to get you closer to the Force in their point of view. Um, from there, you've got your classic lightsabers, the hums of every you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten-year-olds swinging around a broom or mm. bat handle. Yeah. You're just kind of walking around the room. Vroom, vroom. Mm. Uh, and, you know, those lightsaber fights have gotten rather classic and beautiful looking in some cases. You get a lot of people actually online now who just do st do sword fights based off of lightsabers. Oh, so I can I can YouTube lightsaber fight and, and find... And you can find a bunch of different interesting stuff. You'll have people that, like, are doing all sorts of crazy stuff out there with it. Okay. Um, as if they were Sith and Jedi in some cases. Choreographed music ever? Oh, yes. Very much so. Okay. That sounds like fun. Yeah. And there's, and there's quite a number of them here, too. I mean, they actually sell prop lightsabers with the intention of that you could swing it, hit another another saber with it, and it would and you wouldn't shatter or break at all. They're fairly durable. I have a pair of them, too. Oh, very cool. Yes, for my Jedi costume. You do have a Jedi costume, I do. yes. In, in Obi-Wan. Um, there's always a question about the colors of those different sabers. Uh, the bad guys have red sabers, so the Sith have red sabers, and everyone else has kind of the myriad of different saber colors. You have... Okay, I've seen a kind of aqua, I've seen green. I've so, seen yeah, orange. like you've got blue, green, yellow, purple, kind of an aqua, aqua color, orange, like... They range this very unusually large gambit. Um, the color of your saber is actually supposed to say something about you in the Jedi Order, actually. So if we go back to like old time during the Jedi, the heyday of them, 
uh, blue sabers were kind of meant for what they called uh, Jedi guardians. These were people that were your martial law sort of people, the kind of people that would kind of protect areas. They'd be your typical fighter types, people who would um, do a lot of the peacekeeping in areas. Um, and then you had people with green lightsabers. These were typically more likely people who were uh, more gifted with the Force. These were known as Jedi Consulars, and so they were more gifted in using, you know, lifting the rocks, projecting into the future. They were better at using the Force rather than um, the lightsaber or, or starfighters, things like that. Um, and then you had a third branch of it, which were known as Sentinels. These were actually Jedi that lived on planets and were peacekeepers, but they were more or less kind of just there on the planet making sure it was safe. They didn't interact, they maybe interacted with some politics every now and then. They Sort of the United Nations of... Yeah, so they carried a yellow lightsaber typically, and so they weren't very... Um, they were a little bit more hands-off than normal Jedi might have been. They still might have been good sword wielders or good with the Force, but they were really useful at watching the rest of the universe or their particular sector and making sure that things kind of either stayed neutral or would report back Peace, to... Peacekeeping forces. Yeah, so... Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, the Sabres did have a function and purpose at one point, or at least the colors did. Okay. If we go all the way back. So what color is Luke's? A Luke's is a blue lightsaber, but it's a blue light... It, originally, if we go back to, like, the first one, he actually had his dad's lightsaber, so it was blue because... Anakin Skywalker was a uh, very martial sort of person at the end of the day. So he would have had a blue okay. lightsaber. And Luke starts with a blue lightsaber, but eventually gets a green lightsaber, which is actually an interesting logic as to why that actually came about originally. It was a technical reason why he had a green lightsaber, not a, not a uh, distinctive reasoning for it. Oh, so what is the technical reason? So... When he gets the green lightsaber, he's on a planet with a blue sky in the background. Oh, you couldn't see it. And you couldn't see the blue lights. You couldn't see the blue lightsaber. And in the first set of movies, they were it was a very kind of whitish sort of thing with a very light bluish yeah. kind of hue to it. Yeah. And they've in later movies they ended up kind of skewing it more toward being a blue <clears throat> blue lightsaber, if only just to make it stand out more. Um, but again, in a against a blue kind of backdrop. It doesn't stick out. It sticks out. It's, it gets hidden inside the sky at the end of the day, so you couldn't see it at all. Which is very kind of interesting, because when you go to Endor, which is a very foresty green planet, he's got a yeah. green lightsaber, but he doesn't use it a whole lot there at all by Ewoks. comparison. Oh, yeah. And we'll talk about Ewoks a little bit more here, too. Okay. Um, beyond that, we also have blasters. These are their guns, essentially, at the, at the end of the day. They move kind of almost fast. They move like a bullet would, almost. You can barely see it if you ever see it. Um, nobody can very apparently hit each other with it. That's how like bad people are with blasters. Stormtroopers. It's, it's a notorious joke that stormtroopers can't hit the broadside of anything. They have they, they have horrible aim. They have absolutely horrible aim. By by the way, if you haven't seen it, there's a video of the stormtroopers putting up a tree, a Christmas uh, tree. Oh, there's there is a. It's we cute. we might be able to get this more toward like. When we talk later about the fan elements of it, there are people who dress up as stormtroopers who do comedy bits. Oh, that would be good. It's very funny. But the, and this is, by the way, the stormtroopers putting up the Christmas tree is a comedy bit. Oh, yeah, no, no, yeah. This, that, that's not uncommon for, for stormtroopers. If you look in the background behind the, the, the troopers putting up the tree, the, the guys in the background doing all sorts of things. One of my, one of my, favorite, um, one of my favorite Disney commercials, actually, is when they were redoing the um, Star Tours ride. 
and they had for Disneyland they had an advertisement where they had Darth Vader and the stormtroopers. They went to the they went to go to the right. It was closed, so instead they just went out through the park. We were hanging out in the park instead, and so Darth Vader's there with the stormtroopers, and the stormtroopers are being a little bumbly. At one point, yeah. one of them gets like Mickey Mouse ears and is wearing them throughout the day. Um, <laughs> Darth Vader's in haunted house and he gets scared by a ghost. He pulls out his lightsaber, like. Whoever whoever made this commercial clearly knew the knew what would be fun and inter- entertaining, yeah. and they did it, and it was very, very fun and entertaining. I mean, Disney's stewardship of it has been an interesting idea, has been an interesting, and I think they've done good jobs with it. Although, we'll talk more about fan related stuff here a little bit because yeah. fans have a very different opinion. Oh, I imagine. Um, we have um, a big thing about what we need to know about uh, Star Wars here is the Republic. This is this notion that all these planets are kind of connected in this United Nations sort of gathering sort of thing. You send different representatives to be in the Republic to get you aid. It's senators, right? The senators, yeah. Um, there's a chancellor at the end of the day, kind of like a head of the Senate, I guess, at the end of the day. He's the guy in charge of the Republic for the most part. Basically a president pro tem or maybe even a prime minister even. Um, but the Republic's a big thing because it's kind of been throughout the timeline of Star Wars what's kind of kept the galaxy from all-out war, despite there being a number of different wars that have happened, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, if you ex- if you extend it through the different cosmic eras and expanded universe stuff. Um, we have droids. Droids are unique. And this is where we get to sci-fi, science fantasy versus science fiction. Because nobody's ever explained where droids come from at all. They just exist. Why... Why was the design of R2-D2 a great idea for a, a droid at the end of the day? He's solid like, and low to the ground. No, I'm thinking of C-3PO. Well, C-3PO is the gold one that, okay. that has... Okay, so I'm thinking of R2-D2. Yeah, okay. you're, thinking of the, you're thinking of the droid that looks like... It's got. It's basically like a rolling trash can, yeah. which has been described as... It's how it's been described. And I've seen people who have made R2-D2 trash cans... Which is cute. Well, I, I saw an R2-T2 uh, crockpot. Oh, yeah, I know. There's a lot of Star Wars merch out there. Yeah. Um, but droids just kind of exist, and they all have their own personality. Um, they come in varieties of different shapes and forms, and, again, personalities even. And they're very popular. Everyone's got to have one at least. Um, and they're just everywhere. What, what I thought was interesting... Um, it made an impression on me the first time I ever saw the mm-hmm. the first movie, which is the fourth episode. Yes. Okay. Um, was that they managed to give C-3PO a personality even though he never speaks. He definitely has a personality. Mm-hmm. Oh, R2-D2. I'm sorry, R2-D2. Yeah, no. He's, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry, R2-D2. And again, that's kind of an interesting notion here. Like, it's very much in the same sense of... I relate a lot R2-D2 a lot to, like, Wally from yeah. one of my favorite movies, again, Wally, which is a Pixar movie. Wally never talks, or never says any words. He says Wally, and he has different inflections to it and how yeah. he says it. But at the end of the day here, he's got no actual lines at the end of the day beyond, like, vo- these, you know, attempting to say Wally and things like that. But you can clearly tell there's a lot of heart and personality in this character. Well, I mean, Groot has a face. Oh, yeah, Groot's got a face, and Groot says one thing, but depending on how Groot says it... But also, he has facial expressions. Mm-hmm. Poor little R2-D2 doesn't even have that. He's got bit, you know, he's got bips and bleeps. But, but uh, he has no face. 
So that's an interesting notion, and that comes to a term that we that's um, this actually comes to actually a pretty interesting idea called the uncanny valley. Um, so it's a science it's a science term that was actually created by a Japanese guy who loved to make robots. And one of the things he noticed was that when he made his robots, people loved his robots because they were very cute, they were very colorful, they moved around, they had lots of cool bits. But when he tried to make one that looks more human, people hated it. Oh. And people, because people, at the end of the day, what he realized is that at a certain point here, the more realistic something is, the more likely people are going to start nitpicking it because they know what a human's supposed to look like. They know the characteristics of the human. So if it doesn't move quite right because we think it's supposed to be a human, it immediately puts us off, even subconsciously. That's why a lot of the time you see um, some robots are more comical looking. They, they have the, right. the shape and look of a robot. Like C-3PO is clearly a robot, but he's got a very humanoid look to him. So like we automatically recognize him as a robot, and, we have, and we're not going to impose our thoughts on that. So what, what, what actually is... is, is um, triggering um, for me right now is the made robot on the Jetsons. Do you remember? Yeah, the, yeah. yeah. Where where you're right, she's human but not human, and no. she very clearly is not intended to. You can see like where the square bits create a face in it, and you almost yeah. want to imprint. You, if you've ever, one of the fun things to do is if you've ever like gone through like a machinery shop or through like Home Depot, and you just see something that kind of look, hey, that's a face, it's smiling. Yeah. Why is it smiling? It's just a square rectangle face. Is it frowning? Is it sad? Is it just kind of like... Mm. Well, the tampon dispenser in the gym always looks like it's surprised to see me. Yeah, or a socket outlet. It's clearly surprised as well. Yeah. And again, we're imposing our impressions of humanity onto it versus when something's so human that we almost have to mentally judge it as being human, we immediately see all of its flaws and all of its characteristics. And so it's kind of an interesting graph where you have uh, the x there the x axis is how realistic it is versus the y axis, which is how much we enjoy it. And so at a certain point, it starts off as being as not very realistic, but it's very but we enjoy it a lot and our, we like it a lot because it's not realistic. We realize that, and that's your R two D two. You know, okay. like it's not a human being. It's clearly a robot. It's clearly not real, but we like it because it's not. And it's, the same could be said of cartoons. Um, but then the line kind of goes down, and over time, it eventually gets to a point where it actually hits all the way to the X line, kind of a reverse parabola. Okay. Where eventually, like, it's so realistic that we don't like it. But then it actually starts going back up, because eventually we start getting, as we get better with technology, we can make it more and more realistic to the point that we stop noticing all of its little flaws and all of its bad characteristics, and we finally get to the point where we're like, Okay, we like it again. And so that valley right in there where it's so realistic that we don't like it is that uncanny valley. Okay. So it's an interesting kind of way of looking at it again. Like it's one of those times in which like, okay, well that's an, yeah, the way I've used it is when things don't seem quite right, I start asking myself, why don't I like this? Because it doesn't seem quite right. And I kind of relate it to, oh, I think I know why. It's trying to be so realistic, but I immediately notice that it's not. And this is why some people who watch, like, pro wrestling, uh, especially up-close pro wrestling, can immediately tell, well, they're not actually fighting. They're trying to be realistic about it, but they're not actually doing it at all. So that's yeah. kind of an uncanny valley there as well. But you also have to kind of just suspend your disbelief on that one there. Yeah. Along with other yeah, stuff. Yeah, we were watching wrestling the other night and suspending. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah. Um, you have aliens. And aliens have, in more recent years, had a lot more 
uniqueness to them. More appendages, snouts, critters, like they're not normalish looking anymore. Um, it was actually interesting about Star Wars is that you have two major languages in the entire universe. Um, you or three even if you count kind of a droid language, which not very many people understand. There's a Wookiee language, but even then that's kind of an offshoot. So you have two major languages. You Ewok? have uh, Wookiees. Okay. Ewoks have a language, but again, like it's, some aliens have certainly niche, niche, niche yeah. sort of languages. Um, but there's two major ones. You have an English language, which is a basic humanoid language. Um, and then you have a, a colloquial kind of language known as Abresh, which is an which is a alien language. Most writing is in the Abresh language, which is basically just restylized English characters at the end of the day. Okay. Um, if you remember my Jedi costume at one point, they had different kind of letters going... It has glyphs. Yeah, so all those glyphs are the Abresh language, and so if you were studied it for long enough, you could read out that it says basically my name and what my character is and stuff like that. So all those were very intentional in the design at the end of the day. Did not realize that that's what it was saying. I, that's cool. It was Again, for somebody who, who's really into it, who would know the language, they would be able to kind of point it out. If not, they just look really, really cool either yeah. way. Um, and then there's obviously just a lot of sci-fi elements that fit in with fantasy. It's, Star Wars is very much kind of like being in the Wild West a lot of times too, which I find very kind of entertaining at the end of the day. Because um, it's got a lot of like, oh, we're we're in a random town because we had to stop here, or a random outpost. Who knows what the law or what's going to be here? And you might have outlaws, you might have soldiers there. Like, who knows what you're going to find in the wild west or in a pirate sh or a pirate sort of thing, even. Well, and and that's one of those things that that as well is sort of um, in the first in the very first movie you have you walk into the bar scene. Mm -hmm. And it's just like immediately, it's and like, it's, oh, it's very much a weird alien world. Well, but it's very much the Wild West. It's very much like, like when the sheriff walks into the bar mm -hmm. um, in a Western. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk about the movies. Okay. Now, for the sake of the tr the way it's counted as the movie numbers here, um, the each individual, there's there's approximately 10 movies that are currently out with an 11th movie, 11th movie coming out. Um, and there are three major trilogies between the between nine of the movies here. Um, and so for the sake of the way Star Wars would like us to know it as, I'm going to go through the order as their numbered films, even though they didn't come out in this order at all. Okay. So we have uh, what we consider the prequel trilogy. These are episodes one, two, and three. We have... Uh, the Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, and Revenge of the Sith. These all happened between 1999 and uh, 2005. And when every movie takes about two years to... It takes about six to eight months to film, and then about another year to do all the special effects for it. Okay. So everyone, every one of these movies comes out about every three years or so. Um, but you have... Um, or in our case, maybe about every two years now. They're just getting better at it. Well, they have, they have pauses, though. Oh yeah, they'll pause for a couple of years and yeah, yeah, sort of um, reload. So the prequels were actually the intention of trying to explain where did Darth Vader come from, kind of showing this old version of the Republic with kind of the heyday. It's what the what the next set of movies, the original trilogy, is actually trying to get to, uh, or trying to get back to at least. And so it kind of shows the um, chronology of how did Darth Vader become Darth Vader at the end of the day, but also kind of showing this 
period of time where everything was really, really great, and then it suddenly went bad? Or how did we get to this point where the Empire shows up? Yeah. By the time we get to the original trilogy, and this would have been the 1977 through 1983, this was been um, the original Star Wars film, which then later got recanted as Star Wars A New Hope, Episode Four, and that only happened because event, uh, The Empire Strikes Back was considered Episode Five. Yeah. So, um, and then you have Return of the Jedi, which is the final version of this. This is where this original trilogy kind of outlines the story of Luke Skywalker at this point and his learning of his uh, Jedi origins and eventually coming to his terms. His father's history. Yeah. Um, and actually in between the two original <clears throat> trilogies here, we've had the benefit of having what we call Star Wars stories that are not canon movies in the series, but um, aid with the development of the movies. Um, and so one of them we had uh, Rogue One, which was one of my, which was quickly becoming, I think, one of my favorite Star Wars films. That's the one with Daisy? Not yet. Oh, okay, not yet. No, okay. this is the one where, um, this, is the, this, is the, this is the movie that has nothing to do with the Force at all. Oh. Yeah, so, um, and neither does the other one, uh, Solo, but Rogue One is all about getting the plans for the first Death Star. And the way the movie goes is that it's a literally a mm, small little re- resistance cell of just a few people trying to get the plans for the Death Star um, so that way they can stop the Empire at the end of the day. Um, and I like it a lot because it's very much the, you know, these are the, these are the soldiers that don't get medals when they come back. These are the scoundrels that are the snipers, the people that are the worst of the worst in your army that you kind of need at the end of the day to do the things, the honorable things that you need to do. You know, your spies, your assassins, things like that. Um, but then you have Solo, which kind of tells the story of Han Solo and how he gets the Millennium Falcon from Lando Calrissian and the genesis of where him and um, Chewbacca's relationship comes from. And oh, so that'd be it, interesting. It's an interesting take here, too. Um, I know a lot of people are kind of mixed on that one, if only just because um, they don't think that's quite how Han Solo would be. But I think it's the perfect logic of where Han Solo would be for that time place and I think the actor does a really kind of good job of inhabiting the role yeah it would be hard because um, Harrison Ford is still around yeah so but again I, th- I think they found a really good analog or actor to, to play him so okay he's certainly very young and if you want to have more Star Wars movies or have him in another series you know like it seems like the kind of guy you could get, get, have come back okay um, and then we also have and now we have the uh, sequel trilogy here. So this is the new trilogy of movies. It's the one that revolves around Daisy um, and uh, Kylo Ren, which is Luke's uh, Luke's nephew at this point here. Mm-hmm. He's actually fallen to the dark side, and he's got a kind of a wicked sort of Claymore lightsaber that has like fins coming out of it. And you've got uh, Rey, who's now trying to learn about the Force and become this new variant of Jedi or whatever is going to happen next um, culminating all in the last in Lex from Hill the rise of the Skywalker or rise of Skywalker I mean I have no clue what's going to happen in this movie I purposely avoid trailers now just because I don't want to know what happens so how many movies have been made so far 10 movies have been made so far the 11th one being released here on December 20th okay so 11 movies, but we're not even, we haven't even gotten to TV shows yet either. 
Well, there was there, there was a stormtrooper Christmas or a, a Star Wars Christmas. That's so there is a, so there is a there is kind of an extra Star Wars Christmas special. Yes, it came out in like nineteen seventy eight to kind of culminate which all the Star Wars buzz. It's basically a cash grab from George Lucas's point of view because he really because they wanted to make money and he yeah. had no real initial intentions on ever making it, but. They were like, well, you have to make it. We're going to contractualize you for it. It was like, all right. So. Okay. Um, but each one of these different trilogies have got kind of their own sort of mystique to them. Everyone loves the original trilogy. There's almost nothing the original trilogy could do wrong outside of... You're, the, talking, you're talking about 4, 5, and 6. 4, 5, and 6, yeah. So okay. this is uh, A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. Um George Lucas went about uh, redoing some of the special effects for it because when we get to the um, mid-90s here, um, on the heels of redoing, of starting to do episodes one two, uh, 1, 2, and 3 here, he wanted to kind of test the water a little bit to see if he could redo the special effects to get it to a point where they would, where when you do the special effects for the new movies, if they could keep up with one another. So, so one didn't look dated. So one didn't look all that dated, yeah. And so we got kind of a special edition uh, remasters of the movies, mm-hmm. um, which there are some people who like it and some people who definitely do not like it. Um, you'll hear this a lot in Star Wars circles, who shot first, Han or uh, Han shot first. Because uh-huh. Han Solo did shoot first in the cantina scene. But George Lucas later changed it to the alien uh, Greedo shooting first, and then Han Solo shooting, because the notion to him was that you could, that Han Solo could not be redeemed if he was already willing to kill somebody else over a debt. Okay. So I mean, it was kind of the because I mean Han Solo doesn't need to be redeemed for me at the end of the day. He's very much like a Jack Sparrow at the end of the day. If you go back to uh, Pirates well, of the he Caribbean, ends up marrying though Princess Leia. Yeah. Later on, much later But he's on. more like just an additional person on the journey. He doesn't have to learn anything. He's not... He's basically like a captain piloting people from one place to another and an interesting character have along the way, but he's not growing on any particular level. He doesn't necessarily even believe in the Force, really, until later movies when it's like, okay, well, clearly this exists. Yeah. Um, and even then, in, in A New Hope, he's like, yeah, that's that hokey religion kind of... Blah. Well, but he does buy into the Force... In, in episode four, mm-hmm. um, he does eventually say, when, "Yeah, yeah." When he when he he acknowledges that, that Luke has that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like, you know, the Force will be with you know, like you know. Yeah, yeah. But everyone, I think everyone in the universe kind of says it because it's kind of just like a night because all the Jedi used to say it. You know, like may the Force be with you. Yeah, it's kind of like a your like Merry Christmas. Yeah, or you know, uh, have a nice day. Yeah, have a nice day. Um, so then we get to the prequel trilogies. People are somewhat divided on this, and I can explain why people are very divided on the prequel movies, actually. And I can explain that as time. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've ever... I mean, some people they're have... They're long. Not that they're long. No, okay, that's but they a, are. They are, but they're not any longer than normal Star Wars movies. They're okay. still about, about two hours long. Um, part of the problem with the prequel trilogies is not that they're bad movies. They are, but they're not that bad of movies. But they're actually a very interesting when you look at what they're setting up. Is that they're setting up the notion that there is this Chosen One mythology that everyone's really, really believed into. And come to find out, you were all tricked. There's not really a Chosen One mythology. Look how much it's destroyed you because you put all your faith in the one basket of eggs. 
And then when you get to the original trilogy, they're still thinking that there is a chosen one scenario, that there's going to be one guy to fix it all. And even then, the guy is like, maybe it'll work and maybe it won't work, but damn it, we're going to follow this belief. So there's an interesting notion there, but... Well, I mean, but, but you hold on to Princess Leia to sort of fix it all. She becomes sort of... Yeah, I mean, she becomes kind of a major senator and a major player in there, and eventually she's like... Not necessarily the chosen one, but she's more or less... But I mean, like, there is literally mythologies why they let Anakin be a Jedi, even though he yeah. was, like, eight, nine years old by the mm -hmm. time they found him, even though they usually start him off at, like, four or five years old. He was too old initially, but they believed that they allowed him to be a, become a Jedi because he was supposedly the chosen one. Okay. And they eventually start, you know, Luke and Obi-Wan almost kind of project that onto Luke as well, where they think he's the chosen one. Well, and Luke doesn't start his his training until much much later. Later, yeah. And but typically in normal kind of Jedi fashion, you would have <clears throat> if you were you would have been found that you would have been like force sensitive at maybe two or three years old, and they would have taken you from your family and shipped you off to the nearest training Jedi Academy and started your training at a very young age. And by the time you became like ten, eleven years old, you might have been. Uh, training to be a Padawan to another master. So you might have been starting your training at that, uh, your actual, like, training and going out to the world, like your um, service training, maybe. Or okay. your internship, maybe. Um, but another, but the major reason people don't like the prequels at the end of the day is because they had the better part of 15 years, when you think about it, because it came out in 83. If you allow the summer to kind of happen as well, we're a little bit more time, and... 1999, people had over, over 15 years to think about what happens next. And part of the problem was that people were allowed to left with their own devices of what they think will happen. Well, let them think that they're going to come up with the next greatest thing. Well, what, so was there a lot of fanfic around that? Yes. There's a lot of Star Wars fan fiction out there. And um, there's even a lot of books that kind of describe how did Darth Vader become Darth Vader? Who was this Anakin Skywalker? Where did all this stuff come from? Um, and a lot of people had this very had their own thoughts and thoughts and opinions on how they thought the original trilogy would go, or how they thought um, this movie would go. And inevitably, uh, so you're going to disappoint some people. Well, you're going to disappoint people who <clears throat> think you know who if it's if it doesn't like punch it out of the park. Um, a lot of people were very concerned about Marvel movies as well because like how do Marvel movies with all this anticipation and all these people who know all these characters and everything, how come they don't fail by comparison? Yeah. And I think a lot of that has to do with the writers of it here, which is very much Marvel. Marvel has a lot of hands-on in the writing process and stewardship of their characters with the individual directors doing it. They have a lot of understa deep understanding of the lore of the comics and the direction they think, not necessarily the direction the characters should go, but what would be in the character's best interest based on the lore or what new lore will you make? Like Tony Stark for all extensive purposes is very similar to the version in the comic books. Same thing for I, uh, for Captain America, the Hulk, like all those characters are, Hawk. huh? Hawk. Uh, uh, Hawkeye. Yeah. All the characters okay. are very one-to-one. -one. You could put them in a comic book and they would, they would not feel out of character at the end of the day. Okay. And start and Marvel has done a really good job of not only stewarding the characters in a very unique and interesting way between their different movie series. They've done a very good job of that. Um, as for the Star Wars movies are meant to be kind of standalone properties at the end of the day. I mean, like outside of the trilogies, where like you have to kind of know what happened in Empire Strikes Back to really understand why Han Solo was in carbonite at the end of, at the beginning of Episode 
six year in Return of the Jedi, but yeah. it's not a deal breaker at the end of the day if that's the case. You know, yeah. you can kind of go into it thinking, oh, I've seen that guy before and move, and move I know along who with he it. is, and I, and I know he's kind of, kind of a rebel, so it doesn't surprise me that yeah. somebody... Uh, um, but and again, in the interim between when uh, Return of the Return of the Jedi came out and the Phantom Menace begins, there again was fifteen, sixteen years worth of material that kind of existed that allowed people to kind of think, "Oh, this is what should happen," or "This is what's going to happen." And when it doesn't happen quite the way you think it should happen, or you know, because everyone was just literally spitting balls at that point, who knows what was going to happen? Yeah, it becomes very muddied, and people have varieties of different opinions about it, and. It's also, I think, at a time in which the internet came about. The internet was really starting to take off in the, in the very late 90s and early 2000s that people could communicate about their thoughts and impressions about stuff. And an echo chamber creates an echo chamber. Yeah. And if one person says something's bad, somebody's going to latch onto it and another person until, again, like in, in a, it becomes a virus and people immediately start thinking, no, the prequels were bad movies. Um. But then we get to the sequel trilogy here. But you kind of said the prequels were bad movies. They're bad movies from for they're, they're not bad bad movies. There there is you can they're see they're good bad movies. They're they're the attack of the killer tomato. No 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 not that bad. These are still these are st these are Tropic still, Thunder. Yes. Super bad. Okay, they're bad movies in the sense that the acting is very stiff. Sometimes you can almost watch some characters, you know, mimicking the lines between other people before they get to their lines. Um, they don't age well is probably the better way to say it here. They don't age okay, very well. Okay, that's a fair comment. You know, in, back in like the early 2000s, we might have had a little bit more rosier sort of clint on it, sort of look on it here, but like they don't age well in the sense that like the tone and politics are a little bit more askew. Um, for me, my biggest dejection of it here is that the technology is way too shiny by comparison to what was in... Previous, yeah. um, in the original trilogy, the original trilogy has like a lot of technology. It looks very kind of, you can see the pipes and parts on vehicles, and you can see where like the circuit board would be and stuff. But yeah. in you know in this version here, in the prequels, they're very shiny. Everything's got a very kind of glossy look to it. So and it's since a, that predates the other, that seems really out of place. Yeah, and then my okay. other my other my major real gripe with the original trilogy is that. The way they talk about the Force and the Jedi and stuff like that in um, a new hope in a new hope is that it's been gone for all this time, like yeah. it's been like yeah. it's been gone for like a hundred plus years or something. Like it hasn't existed for a millennia or a century or something. Like they treat it like oh that old Jedi hokey religion is like. But when you look at the movies, it's only been like twenty five. It's only been like eighteen twenty years at best. Yeah, Luke's got Luke's like twenty years old when he leave when when like Star Wars: A New Hope starts. Yeah, and if you consider that he got born at the very end of uh, Re Re Revenge of the Sith, like it's only been twenty years, and these guys that are in like their fifties, in like these forties or fifties, it's like you were around when Jedi were here. They're not a, they're, not so long ago. They're not. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. Yeah. So I'm always very curious as to. That that was the only thing that irked me. If it had been one of these things where, like, it had been, like, somehow... And even then, like, when you look at Darth Vader as it is, as he is, like, let's assume that Darth Vader, Anakin Skywalker, becomes Darth Vader at the age of, like, 35, maybe, which is probably a little generous at that point here. Yeah. And when he meets his end, he's maybe 60, year, 60, year, 60 years old, maybe. 
Because yeah. rebellion kind of happened. The third, the the original trilogy kind of happens over the course of maybe maybe four or five years. Maybe it's not. It's a short amount. Of, it's not that long of a time uh, by comparison. Okay. But again, I mean, like he looks so. He could have looked. He looks so much older than what he really did in in the movie when he takes off the helmet. You know, he looks. He looks like he could have been in like his sixties or seventies or eighties. Yeah, he does. And I. That's what being evil will do. It ages you. I think it should. <laughs> um, but I, it, to me, at the end of the day, if it had, if they had said it that like Luke was like the grandson or something, I think of Darth Vader at the end of the day it's like his grandfather or something. I think that might have been a little bit more impressive. I think at the end of the day, and given this, and actually as a storyline, you could have had Darth Vader defeating his own son. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as which, a re- which would have been which of which of sorts is the the storyline I guess with with Luke, but. Yeah, I, I, you could have had it where they escaped to Tatooine and Luke was born, but like Darth Vader goes after his own son that was secretly yeah. being trained by Obi Wan Kenobi. You never found yeah. Obi Wan Kenobi ever again after that. Yeah, um, and he just he apparently disappeared. And maybe he traveled off Tatooine and he never looked back on Tatooine. But lo and behold, there was Luke and Obi Wan there all yeah. along. Yeah, um, I think that would have been more interesting at the end of the day if it more time had passed, but that's that's me being a nitpick. Yeah, and again, well, that's this, okay. You're allowed. And that's and again, that's my that's me as a fan imploring on to Star Wars. Yeah. Um, and the new tri- the new the new sequel trilogy here with the Force Awakens and the Last Jedi um, have been interesting. A lot of people are very divided by uh, Daisy. A lot of people think that she's like Obi Wan Kenobi's daughter or somebody else's daughter of some sort here. Like, my first assumption when I first saw the movie was that she was Luke's daughter, and I thought, that's that's wrapped up a little too much with a bow. Yeah, and and that was my thing here, too. Like, I'm really, really hopeful that she's not, that she really is just Ray from nowhere. Yeah. You know, Ray, you know, or, let me, let me, let me go back. Daisy Ridley is the actor, Ray is the character. Right, is the character, yeah. So, um, there's a lot of people who are kind of upset with Ray with Ray because they think she's a Mary Sue. Uh, if we go back all what's, the way back, what's a, what's a Mary Sue? If we go back to our fan fiction days, and Mary oh, Sue, Mary yeah. Sue is the kind of person that's super good at anything without any logical reasoning for it. Yeah, she's just 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 naturally good. Oh, she can just use the force. She's never used it before, but hey, she can just use it. You know, oh my goodness, she's really great with a lightsaber. She's never used a lightsaber before, but darn it, isn't she good with it? It's like if you look at it though, like. She's been around machinery all of her life, so it would make sense she would understand how machinery works. And she's always dreamed of piloting, so she's been super into piloting. And obviously, knowing these starships and machines, she would it would make sense to her. Well, Luke Luke didn't have piloting experience either. He, he did actually. Did he? Because he was just on his like desert cruiser thing. Well, he had he he didn't go to like a flight school necessarily, which is its own funny thing at the end of the day. But. Um, but like he, they describe him as having been in like these little, like simple little fighter plane, little flyer planes that like you comb the desert with to shoot down like rats and stuff. They're like yeah, you attacking saw... your uh, vapor farm moisturizers and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and and it's, but that's not the same as is is as a, a, as a, as war a fighter pl- jet. Absolutely, yeah, no, again, and that that's a huge contention as well. There's again for nitpickers there as well. Just just saying. Um, so a lot of people are kind of upset with with uh, Ray at the end of the day because they think she's either supposed to be something much better or they think that she's being a Mary Sue because she's too perfect at stuff. And 
Um, and I vastly disagree, if only just because, like, who cares if she's a Mary Sue? Like, Luke could very much be a Mary Sue, too. Like, he's got no experience with a lightsaber, but yet when he goes and you know when he goes into the Dagobah forest like he's you know when he's on Dagobah with Yoda yeah. he's swinging around a lightsaber like he's been doing it for like years at this point he's just a gifted actor and he goes up against Darth Vader right away considering that Darth Vader's the one of the greatest sword masters of he's trained all lightsaber. his life he's yeah. trained all of his life he's been doing for centuries so much that he only ever needs to use one hand to do it now but the force is strong with this one yeah you know, like Luke Skywalker could be a Mary Sue at this point. Yeah. So, um, which is my other, which is another gripe I have for the original trilogy. I wish that Dagobah had been like six, seven months, as opposed to what seemed like, like a week. A week. week. Yeah. yeah, like like I wish that like Han Solo <laughs> and the Rebels had were like, you know, they got separated for like for for quite some time because they were hiding out somewhere and they would continuously having to relocate constantly by being chased by the empire or something yeah a lot you could have done with that yeah but again i think that if i think if you stretch that entire movie out to six weeks to six months like it would seem like a slog yeah where would the tension be in the chase at that right. point yeah it's not so, interesting to watch yeah so i mean degrees of degrees of reason yeah um and even then a lot of people are very kind of also upset with the luke skywalker as well because they think because in The Last Jedi, he's basically just kind of hidden himself out on the planet with the intention of just dying and not... He le- walked away. Yeah, he walked yeah, away. That actually that actually really bothered me. Um, because um, I admittedly have not seen 10... Or, um, Episode 8. Yeah. The Last Jedi. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Okay. Um, but um, it really bothered me that um that he he sequestered himself and took no responsibility for for leading or fighting what they were in the midst of this continued to be in the midst of this war mm-hmm. no and um and i don't want to share too much about the movie here because if you haven't seen it you'll get to see it and we'll get to talk about it okay which is so much fun um, but a lot of people have a problem with luke again not being that like martial law sort of guy where he disappeared, and rather than coming out when the universe really didn't need him, that he didn't want to be a hero. He wanted to be sequestered away. Um, but like other people have said, like yeah, but that's kind of the life of all major Jedi in this in this story. Like you look at Obi Wan Kenobi, and you look at like Yoda, they went into hiding. They disappeared from the universe. They but allowed, they trained people. They didn't actually. They didn't? For all extensive purposes, Obi-Wan Kenobi doesn't take on a new student at all that we're aware of and doesn't do anything to try to uh, stop the Empire at any particular point. Yoda very much stays in hiding on Dagobah and doesn't, you know... And just kind of cruises. And just kind of hangs out there yeah. until, until Luke gets there. Like, they basically kind of disappear from the universe and don't interact with it for any particular at any particular point. I never thought that. And they about kind of that. let the world happen here so they're very much not heroes as well now with so, so you ruined big bang for me and now you're going to ruin my my uh my feelings for for yoda well no no i mean like it's, it's, ha- it's okay we have baby yoda yeah i've seen baby yoda baby yoda looks very interesting i have to there's so. there's origami the little little crochet creatures there's a pattern for for uh, yoda, baby oh, yoda. wow yeah so 
Speaking of Baby Yoda here, let's talk about TV shows. Because there's been TV shows for Star Wars. And the one we have to first talk about chronologically is Ewoks. I remember the Ewok special. Well, no, no, not just the special. So they had a series of home release movies for the Ewoks where, like, a family, like, landed on the the planets uh, the Ewoks are from. And for one reason or another, eventually most of them get killed and there's one little girl left that just gets raised by Ewoks. Oh. It's a series of movies. We Okay. They were available at the local video store when those still existed. Okay. Back in the very late VHS. 80s. Very much VHSs. Okay. Um, but there was actually an Ewok cartoon. I remember that. And there was a droids cartoon as well that had different other droids with C3PO and R2D2. They existed in the eighties. A great eighties were an interesting time. Eight, we should talk about we should talk about cartoons here at one point, and okay. te- television cartoons in particular. There's some cool, interesting lo- notes on that here. Okay. We can make an episode out of that. Um, but when we get to, when we finally get to the point of, um, between the early two, between, at the beginning kind of of the 2000s, shortly after uh, Clone Wars, just before we had, we get, um, uh, Revenge of the Sith. We actually had a TV series, known a short little TV series. They were maybe only about like seven or eight minute long episodes of animated for uh, Star Wars: The Clone Wars. And these were little little animated sort of little bits for each kind of different Jedi doing different Jedi stuff during the course of the Clone Wars. And so it was kind of like a little build up of what was happening during the Clone War before Revenge of the Sith. So when when and how when and how and where did these air? These were actually on Cartoon Network, and were a special tie-in with Cartoon Network, and eventually, before and eventually they ended up creating a whole three D animated project for the Clone Wars, where Luke Skywalker you meet his Padawan. He gets a Padawan called Sakatoso. She's a um, I forget what the name of her species is. It's not Twi'lek, but she's got kind of these vine sort of like hair appendages. One goes down her back and two go down her side. It's kind of a very cool look. Okay. Um, but um, she's, but again, like it's going through the course of Obi-Wan Kenobi as a master Jedi and Anakin Skywalker as a, as a Jedi Knight going throughout the universe doing their thing. And then they're like, oh, well, Anakin needs to learn some responsibility and needs to learn to settle down. So here's a Padawan that he has to take on to train to become a knight. So you can help him settle down and not be quite so... Um, flighty. Flight, yeah. So, um, but it's a good job of kind of fleshing out where some of these characters happen and all their stuff that kind of happened. Like, it's not exactly a spoiler at this point here, but Darth Maul, who was a major Sith uh, yeah. in the first movie here... That's the red and black guy. Yeah, the red and black guy with the horns. He's, yeah. uh, it's known as a Zebaraki, if memory serves me correctly. He supposedly dies in Phantom Menace, but he only gets just chopped in half. This cl- animated Clone Wars, which is very much done in kind of like a Pixar 3D kind of way, actually shows the process of, no, he actually survived, and he actually used the Force to create, to cobble together kind of like robotic limbs that were initially kind of like a spider and then became like a chicken and then just became human legs eventually. And that he was still very, very active as a, a Sith after a certain point. And Are we going to see him again then in the movies? No, but in um, but in uh, in the movie for Solo, you actually do see him at oh. the very, very end. And he becomes like a 
cartel leader of some sort. Oh, a drug so, lord? A, kind of like a drug lord, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, supposedly, he does die before the start of A New Hope. Um, but there's actually a cool bit here where we were actually are probably going to get, <clears throat> and we are going to get an Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Oh, that'd be Ewan fun. McGregor is going to come back to be Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's going to be a TV series. It's a similar vein of The Mandalorian, which is currently airing right now right. on Disney+. Yeah. Plus. And it's supposed to take place on Tatooine over the course of the years where he was in hiding. So we may see him come back, maybe. So maybe he wasn't, while he was in hiding, he really was training people and you just don't know. Precisely. I don't yeah. know. Again, my imagination can be very active. Okay. Um, other TV shows we have, again, in the same vein of Clone Wars, we had another series called Rebels. Now, Clone Wars kind of takes place between episodes, between movie, the second movie and the third movie. This is... Uh, Rise of the Clone. Um, again, this is Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. And then we have uh, Star Wars Rebels, which is about another Resistance cell kind of starting the rebellion with uh, rogue Jedi that survived Order sixty six. Okay. Um, and these are in a rebel cell at the end of the day. Okay. And so this kind of takes place between. Um, Revenge of the Sith and the end of Return of the Jedi. So kind of events kind of happening in between that time, that time frame right there. And there's actually a, another series of that currently going on called uh, Resistance. And the, this is a... Um, so we have monetized the shit out of this. Well, it's not so much we monetized the shit out of it so much as that the same people that were doing Clone Wars then moved on to Rebels and then are now moving on to Resistance because now, obviously, this is in the the timeline of where the the First Order has come about and this is a resistance to get the First Order. Okay. So, like, they're basically just... We got done playing with these characters. We're now going to pick up new characters and a new part of the story. Okay. Um, and then, obviously, we have The Mandalorian here, which is uh, streaming on Disney+. Plus. I'm going to steal my little brother's access to Disney+, Plus once it's finished coming out, because I cannot do weekly series anymore. Oh. I can't watch something on a weekly basis. It drives me nuts thinking about it. To wait. It, to wait. Yeah. It's one of the reasons why when Game of Thrones is coming out, I have to wait until the end of the series to watch it. And then I'll just binge watch it over the course of a day off. Because to me, um, I don't... I, when I was watching Japanese animation a lot of the time, I can actually name the series that did this to me. Um, There's one of my favorite of all time series called Code Geass. Um, every episode in their second season ended with like a cliffhanger. And so you had to know, you know, like something happens that was like, oh, well, this happens. I wonder what the next episode's going to be. And every week drove me nuts for literally half a year for the, for 26 episodes. Drove me nuts trying to figure out what was going to happen next. Oh my goodness, this is a new little bit of detail. I wonder how it works. And I, and after a while, and after that season ended, I was just done. I couldn't, I just couldn't mentally, I was just mentally exhausted from that. Because it took so much out of me just to be like, oh my goodness, another week, another week. Uh, I'm also of the opinion here as well that like, it, when this does kind of happen, I'll stop something midway through and I'll forget to pick it back up. Well, and I've done that with Game of Thrones because I haven't finished yet. I'm, I'm midway through... Season four, four. I think. Yeah, and I, I would like to finish. Yeah, and, and this is also the same reason I've never finished a Final Fantasy game, which are notorious for being like... 80 to 100 hour slogs of games like yeah. I will get like halfway through it and then I'm just like okay I have to stop and pick up something else now Yeah, and I'll forget to come back to it it's why I also have a lot of 
a lot of alts in World of Warcraft. A lot of other characters are like, oh, I got this all the way up to level 70. I'll try something else here for a little bit because I'm getting tired of doing this one thing and then I'll never come back to it some days. And I'm like, well, I'd like to panda again. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We yeah. can definitely panda again. Yeah. Um, so as an example. Um, so one thing I really want to talk about is beyond the movies in, in major media. So beyond movies and television, um, Star Wars has probably short of maybe... Uh, one or two other series has probably the most fiction out there in the form of books. Okay, so written work. Yeah, so there are literally people who have made a living off of continuing the Star Wars story. How and, did, now, how does George Lucas feel about that? Um, it's he no longer owns it, so he has no control. True, but even when he even when it when he did control it, he didn't. He wasn't very particular about it like he did okay. it he I mean he let people have their fun he let people have their fun there were there were some rules okay. um there were not allowed to be any more Yoda races so Yoda as a Yoda as a character doesn't have a known race Luke George Lucas never envisioned there being more than like two or three of them in the known universe okay so like the Yoda race doesn't even have a name for the race of characters it's just Yoda. It's just Yoda. You know, there's no other, you know, and even even when we look it up on on the... here Here's a fun one for you. Guess what the Star Wars Wikipedia is known as? Wookiepedia. That's... That's... Clever. That's clever. Yeah. Okay. So even on Wikipedia, which is where all this canonization of Star Wars stuff happens on, um, it just lists the race as the Yoda race. Because George Lucas has never stated what the race is. Um, but there's only, like, a few of them in the known universe, so they're not common. Um, another one is that Wookiees cannot be Jedi. Wookiees have no ability to interact or sense with the Force at all. They can see it moving around, but they have no way to interact but with it. But you trained... Oh, okay, Wookiees, I'm sorry. Yeah, Wookiees. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, which is, again, also one of my favorite things is to do the Wookiee War and uh, Star Tours and just screw with people. This is like just the very, especially if you're in the very back of the ride, you're just instead of like going ah, you're like and like people are just like, oh my goodness, there's a Wookiee here somewhere. They think it's amazing. It is amazing. But they also had like a they also had a Yoda puppet, and I love. I I would really love to find like a nice like puppeteer Wookiee puppet at one point here, and I find somebody who could make a really good one, and maybe we had like eyes that move and everything, because I always find that to be kind of interesting. And I would just be a stump and just have just walk around with Yoda saying, "Travel many places you have," because <laughs> I think it's a cool voice. It is a cool voice. Um, but there is a lot of expanded universe for for a lot of books, and they go through um, a number of different cycles. Like they go through the point of like Luke Skywalker and the Rebellion kind of mopping up the last bit of the Empire. Um, they go on to uh, show how Luke. Um, gets married, how Han Solo and Leia get married, they have kids. Um, now, do Han Solo and, and Leia only have the one? They actually have three. They have three. They have three. Two of them are twins, and another one is just a, a regular childbirth. Um, and of the twins, one of them goes to the dark side. Okay. Um, which is, I think, is very much kind of the genesis of where like Kylo Ren comes from. Yeah. Um. And so, like, there's that, and eventually, um, 
uh, Chewie dies saving one of the Sky, one of the uh, Han Solo kids. Yeah. Um, and which is very kind of tragic for me, but because um, I like Wookie, I like him so much. Um, but it's the appropriate way for him to die. Yeah. Um, He's getting. There is an entire like Sith that kind of come back a little bit um, in a way. Luke Skywalker becomes a Sith for a period of time because there's like a reanimated version of the Emperor. Like they're bizarre. Like there's an entire another war where like the Jedi that get have been created by Luke Skywalker have to face this like invading force that's always been on the fringe of the universe of the core galaxies, just waiting to come in. An opportunistic uh, invader, yeah. yeah. And then um, at one point here, after all of it's said and done, um, they convict Luke Skywalker of cr- high crimes against the Republic and uh, take away his take him away from being the Grand Master of the Jedi. And he basically kind of goes off into the outer worlds with like I think one of Han Solo's ch- one of Han Solo's kids and or his kid with his wife or some cousin or something and. Um, he becomes a hermit out there. And the books are bizarre in that particular level because they they go all over the place. There's little stewardship in the context, but everyone seems to kind of know what other people have wrote, written and play off of that. Like Luke's eventual wife, Jade Mara, becomes a central figure in a lot of other books, and their relationship is becomes a major focal point. Um. This is, I mean, this is not too dissimilar from Star Trek fan fiction, where you had a lot of characters continuing the stories after the point. Yeah, and a because lot... Picard has to get married at some point. Precisely, yeah. in theory. I mean, there's also. But we know he was a happily married man because he lived happily married in the one episode for years and years and years. He, well, he played a flute. He did, but he doesn't. He doesn't later. I'm well, still very excited for when the Picard series comes out too. I'm so excited to see that when it comes out. Um, if just to have to buy CPS uh, access, it, yeah, maybe also to watch Destiny too, but or Star Trek. I think it's Destiny, maybe or yeah, the the new series coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if just to see that too. Um, we have lots of video games for Star Wars, um, and they range a little bit from everything. They range quite a number of ways. So you have. Um, the TIE Fighter and X-Wing series where you pilot, were kind of like flight simulators, which were very popular in the um, mid to late 90s, um, mm-hmm. where you could literally pilot an X-Wing or a, or a TIE Fighter and shoot down either one. Okay. Um, you have the uh, Jedi Knight series, which was a series about, um, I forget what the guy's name is, um, but he be he's like a normal person who becomes a Jedi, and it's... Um, both a first-person shooter and a third-person lightsaber. It's considered kind of the most uh, popular version of what lightsaber combat in a game might look like. like okay. Um, we have a couple standoff games, uh, The Force Unleashed, uh, which is about Darth Vader's secret Jedi, uh, or secret uh, Sith apprentice. Um, it's, it's somewhat considered a canon because... Um, his house flag is what's the um, flag for the Rebel Alliance. The, this kind of like soaring, kind of like bird sort of thing, I guess. Okay. Um, so it's somewhat considered canon, if only because it incorporates it incorporates and it takes place in this kind of vague timeline where not a lot of stuff happened. 
Um, but it was also just right at the point where Disney had bought the series, uh, bought the Star Wars franchise, and they were moving a lot of stuff to what they call their Legends or Expanded Universe catalog. Fortunately, this was one of those that wasn't pushed over that way. So it's considered semi-canon uh, at the end of the day. Okay. Um, and then we have, um, more recently here, we have uh, Star Wars Battlefront, which is kind of like a number of first-person shooter games that have been out before, especially in the Star Wars universe. There was one before this. Um, but this is nice because... This one is more interesting because you have the chance to play as uh, some of the major characters. Like, you can eventually play as, like, Darth Vader... Darth Maul, the Emperor, Luke Skywalker, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You can play through the, the galaxy's greatest heroes. Um, it's well-received as a game, but not as a monetization structure because of the way loot boxes work. And we'll talk about loot boxes in another episode. Okay. Um, it's basically kind of like a gotcha mechanic, um, but at a much kind of higher price threshold. Yeah. Um, it's a limited audience. Very, yeah. And then uh, most recently, the latest Star Wars game we had was uh, Fallen Order, which is kind of an annoyance for the publisher that publishes it because it's doing really well. And the publisher has made it, the publisher who owns the rights for uh, the Star Wars franchise right now is known as uh, Electronic Arts or EA. They've made same a, people who who do bad in Madden football. Yes. Um, they've made a point of saying that people that they believe that gamers don't want to play single player games anymore, which is an absolute lie. We we if you look at some of the best single player games that have come out recently, um, God of uh, you have the most recent version of God of War. You have this amazing version of Spider Man that came out recently. That's awesome. Like people love enjoy these single player games, and. The four, and then and then you have Fallen Order, which again takes place in this timeline between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. That's a very very well received game at the end of the day, and a lot of people are very have received it very well, and people like it a lot. But EA doesn't like it because it's proving the fact that that oh well, the single player game actually did really really well. We should probably make more single player games. They, they want, want to, to take it in a different direction. Well, they want to go in a different direction because if you play a multiplayer game, you're forcing people to have to continually buy subscription service to be online or oh. or buy more monetization to get the new stuff. This is yeah. this is like an example of part of the problem with games like, um, uh, not Minecraft, but um, Fortnite, where the big intention of Fortnite is to get these cool kind of character costumes and skins. Yeah. Um, and specialty sort of weapons because it's how you look cool in the game. And if you don't look cool in the game, like, you're just a scrub. You could be the best player in the entire game, but if you don't have, like, a cool-looking skin or you don't have a cool look to you at the end of the day, you're nobody. And a lot of the same way, especially with uh, Battlefront as an example, it's a very large multiplayer game that you can play as. Um, You can't be like Darth Vader if you haven't unlocked Darth Vader. Yeah. And the natural way to unlock Darth Vader would mean that you would only unlock Darth Vader after like two months of in-game play. And this so, is assuming... So, so you're, forced, you're forced to put in the time. You're either forced to put in the time, and, that, and this assumes that you just get Darth Vader. You wouldn't get like Luke Skywalker or other things along the way if you didn't want to spend more money. Yeah. The idea of a multiplayer game is that people will inevitably want to keep putting money into it because they got to stay concurrent with everyone, what everyone else They got to keep has. up with the Joneses. Yeah. Yeah. 
Got it. And so that's why they want to shift to multiplayer because they're also what they call um, live services, which is just a way of saying you have to pl- keep paying to play this game. You already paid sixty dollars to play. Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of that's why they don't like these single player campaigns. They that's also all, it's all about money. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, corporations are made to make make money. Yeah. They're um, not philanthropic. Not yet. Um, and then we have, and then we have one of my favorite uh, Star Wars games that came out back in 2012. Um, we have Star Wars Galaxies and Star Wars. Uh, or before that, actually, let me start, tell you, talk about Knights of the Old Republic. This was a game also created by EA uh, by a company called Bioware, uh, which does really great RPGs like Final Fantasy in right. a sense. Um, they made um, a Star Wars game that takes place thousands of years before the main storyline. So, what you'll see in Star Wars stuff, if you read it online, they have what they call uh, before Battle of Yavin, which is Star Wars A New Hope, and and after Battle of Yavin. That's how they divide the timeline. Okay. So, BC in in Common Era. So, what they have is they have BBY, which is before Battle of Yavin, and they have Uh ABY, after Battle of Yavin. So, Battle of Yavin is basically because it's kind of where Star Wars started at the end of the day. Everything before that is like kind of like how AC how like BC works in in our AD works here so like yeah. like so in the current timeline now uh, for like the sequel trilogy we might be like 30 ABY but if we go back to like uh, a new if we go back to like Phantom Menace we're about uh, 20 BBY as an example so Knights of the Old Republic happens about 4,000 BBY oh wow so it takes place like thousands and thousands of years where Jedi and Sith kind of do exist still and they're prevalent, but like like the highlight of the, of the world at this point before before this. Um, and then we have the MMOs that come out of that here. We have one of them known as Star Wars Galaxy. Um, this started in the early 2000s until about the mid uh, to late tr- 2000s um, as a online version of Star Wars that you could play. Um, I know a lot of people who, when they moved over to um, Star Wars The Old Republic, which is a um, kind of off the tail ends of Bioware's uh, Knights of the Old Republic, because it takes place in, I think, 39 or 38,000 BBY, um, kind of moved over from Galaxy to that, and they were like, oh no, Galaxy is so much better. It's like, I've never been in Galaxy, but um, but again, it's like playing World of Warcraft, okay. literally. Well, I mean, given how successful that model is, mm-hmm. if you anything, can't, I, you can't short them for trying. No, 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 not at all. If anything, I actually liked um, one of the things I liked about old uh, the Old Republic, um, and it's been probably about five plus years since I've played it, um, was that the way you used your abilities, you. F- you used all of them all the time. So you had like 10 different attack abilities and maybe like three or four different support stuff and maybe some, what we what I would consider oh shit buttons. Like if stuff really yeah. goes down, you would hit yeah. this. Um, you use all those abilities in a rotation and in a fight sometimes, which I like because it keeps you moving around constantly and using all your abilities at the end of the day. Okay. And so I really appreciated that as a, um, as a, um, as a thing at the end of the day. Um, and I missed that on a certain level. Plus, you got it got to play as a Jedi, and I got my own starship. It was I traveled around the universe. It was cool. 
Lots of uh, and there's lots of cool role playing opportunities as well. People like literally was in a Jedi. And again, you could play either side, right? Yeah, you could play as a Sith, but you could also play as what they called a uh, an Imperial agent, which was kind of like an Imperial spy almost. Ooh. They had the coolest ship too, by the way, I, for my record. And then you also had a uh, you could also be a bounty hunter as well, a Mandalorian bounty hunter. Uh, the good guy side had uh, two different kinds of Jedi. Um, they had a smuggler, which was very much the vein of like Han Solo, and then you had a uh, Republic trooper. And uh, both sides were analogs to one another as well. So like yeah. the trooper was the same as the bounty hunter. The smuggler was the same as the Imperial agent. Um, the Sith, uh, I forget what the Sith variants, the two Sith variants are. Um, offhand, but they were variants of the st- of the Jedi yeah. version, so yeah. they were one to one. Which is again, Old Republic for still being out in 2012 is still ongoing. They're that's actually pretty cool, actually, because yeah. that's seven years. Yeah, so which is a long time in an MMO in some cases. Yeah. Um, and then recently, we've had an entire land in Disneyland open up for Star Wars stuff, and I'm curious to go to it here. Maybe sometime next year or the year after. So one of the things that surprised me when we were in Japan and we went to Disney Sea, and it mm-hmm. may be that the Disneyland in Japan has it because Disney Sea is separate from Disneyland. Yeah. Disneyland, um, but um, that there, there wasn't any any Star Wars World in Disney Sea. No, and I think it's actually it's actually there is a Star Wars ride in Disneyland. Disneyland. I know. I know. I believe okay. there is one over there. Um, Okay. But Disney Seas, again, was more about this notion of, like, uh, more about the water and kind of cool science sort of stuff. I'm almost a little surprised that, like, there's an Aladdin and Little Mermaid land in there. But only because I think Little Mermaid does kind of fit the water sort of discovery theme in there. Less so Aladdin, but, hey, where are you going to put an Aladdin land normally? It was so cool. It was very cool. It's actually one of my favorite things. Um, but, um, but, no, I mean, even before that, I mean, we go back to um, 1989, I think, is when it got installed. Um or maybe 19... Yeah, no, I want to say 1989. Um, they have Star Tours, which was, to me, my favorite ride in Disneyland. I love Star Tours. It was so much fun. You got to ride around. You had literally Pee-wee and Herman uh, as the pilot. As the pilot. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was just... It was really, really cool. The love the flight simulator simulators. Um, really well done. They did a revamp of it here in 2010. Um, so what they did is they um, put in new animatronics because back in that point here, like even I was like, the robot doesn't move anymore. Guys, yeah. come yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> and you could see through like the screen mesh that would, uh, when it goes up and down, you there was actually holes in it. So it, it it was in it was in dire need of refurbishment. Yeah. And the new version is very much set in the, again, this kind of middle ground between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. And they um, do kind of this great job of its R2-D2 and C-3PO kind of leading a tour group that go into wacky shenanigans. But it's interesting because they have multiple outlined courses. Oh. So what's interesting about it is... So a little bit like the ending of, of, uh, of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Or, or yeah, so if yeah. We, when we rode um, the Indiana Jones ride in Disneyland, yeah. we, had the op- we kind of had the option of going through three different doors it's randomly selective. And each yeah. time we go through a different door has different kind of subtle changes to the show itself. Like sometimes yeah. you might go, if 
like, especially in the beginning and in the end. Like Indiana Jones will say something different at the ending versus in the beginning it's got a completely different sort of look to it. Like there's one for money, there's one for youth, and there's one for future vision. And the serene in the surroundings kind of change based off of which one you go through. Um, there's actually a very cool door mechanism. There's actually five doors in total. Wow. Um, and or there's three doors actually, and the five doors in total. You always go through the center door, but this entire platform kind of shifts and moves depending on which door you're going through. So it and centers lights, you to the door. So, so it looks like you're being centered into that door and you're going through that door. Yeah. Which is really a really cool mechanic, actually. That is cool. Um, but when we go to start with a new version of Star Tours, though, they made it modular. So there's two different beginning scenes that you have. Then you go to three... Then you have the choice of three different planets that can take you to. So I believe it takes you to uh, Hoth. It takes you to Tatooine for a... Uh, speeder race, and then you get, um, and then you have the chance of going to Kashyyyk, which is the Wookiee planet. Um, and then you get to, then you get like three kind of middle scenes where you get either Yoda, Leia, or um, uh, the Fish Admiral, which I can never remember his name off the top of my head. Admiral yeah, Advark. Yeah. There's a trap. You'll see that frequently in the Star Wars memes. It's a trap. It's a trap. But my favorite one is always where he's holding up a coffee ki- a coffee cup as it's a frop. That's cute. So, um, so you get like three different in middle scenes there, and then you get to a, and then you get to three more different choices of planets. You either get to go to a, um, you get to go back to Naboo. I believe that you, then you get to go visit the uh, Death Star, and I forget what the third one is offhand. Maybe one of our listeners can. Uh... Oh, no, 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 wait, um, you go to Hoth. Hoth is one of the earlier planets, um, not Kashyyyk. With the, with the people, with the, with the big... Uh, with the, with, it's the one with the ice walkers. Yeah, yeah. With, with, I, that, that's what I was trying to Yeah, with the uh, AT-ATs, uh, yeah. the ice walkers. So Hoth is another planet, so... Um, what did I say, Kashyyyk, Tatooine, and... Um, you, you, go through, yeah. you, you, yeah. you go through three different planets, and so... Yeah. In theory, you have the chance. If you ride it, you would probably never ride the same ride twice. There's 42 different variations of the same ride. Oh wow! And the benefit of that as well is that you could actually switch out different scenes for new stuff when the other stuff comes up later. So you could, in theory, swap out um, elements of the ride to add in new things or take stuff out over the course of years. And I haven't seen them do that just yet necessarily, um, but it's an interesting notion if they wanted to. Um, but most recently here, they've opened up a Star Wars land um, in Disneyland. Again, I'm super interested to go to it. Probably, I'm thinking maybe spring of this next year is when I can do it. I mean, it's a sh- basically it's like it's basically my weekend if I do that. I drive down, yeah. drive down on like drive down on like the right after work on Friday, check into a hotel, check into a hotel, maybe one of my hotels. There you go. They're nearby. Um, and then um, go on like a Saturday or a Sunday, and then drive back up. That drive back up. Yeah. You know that you know, and, and again, it's like about a six and a half to seven hour drive, so it's not a it's not a slog at the end of the day. Um, but it is a doable thing, or it could take days off. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, yes, there's theme parks, um, which are very much fun. And the last thing I wanted to talk about here today was fans. Okay. Um, so we talked. So we mentioned Wikipedia. It's um, just like the Star Trek version, That's which so is so cute. 
which is um, the alpha alpha memory, which is kind of the way Star Trek's uh, major information bank is. Uh-huh. Uh, Wikipedia has everything you've ever wanted to know about anything. Um, it's got like the chronological timeline of the Millennium Falcon through its many, many thousands of iterations, because apparently it's a couple hundred year old ship, the Millennium Falcon. Well, it's pretty beat up. Yeah. Um, it gets more beat up in Solo. It looked a little bit different, but it's a cool ship. Um, one of the things I really wanted to talk about with Star Wars fans is what they call trooping. So, okay. trooping is the notion is is cosplaying as Star Wars characters. Okay. Most notably, stormtroopers. And so, um, there's actually a very large official Star Wars community for trooping. Yeah. And they're very well known for actually going out into the community and doing stuff for the community. Um, and the biggest one here is known as the 501st. It's uh, so known that it's uh, 501st, which is basically which was Darth Vader's own actual army troop. These people did the video of them dancing? Yep, they're probably a part of the 501st here. Um, every actually city and county has their own variation on this. So, like, if you... So in a lot of cases, like let's say like you live in San Diego and you move to like do you move to like Phoenix, Arizona? There's probably a 501st Legion there that could that based off of if you're uh, could basically integrate you into their society. Um, they have very specific rules like you have to be screen accurate sort of costume pieces. You can't have um, other pieces that don't quite fit in with right. the lore or the world. Um, certain things have to be quite in order. Um, it's one of those things what I've thought about is that I actually have a Wookiee puppet. Yeah. Like a puppeteering puppet. And what I've thought about doing in the past is getting Stormtrooper armor, putting cuffs on my Wookiee, and just have walking around a con floor just being like, sorry, out of my way, we're kicking up this prisoner to Section 8 BC or something. Yeah. And just have the Wookiee kind of... People actually get microphones to go inside their helmet that project the Stormtrooper-like sound, like it's coming out of a voice box. It's very cute. That is cute. Um, but everybody, again, like um, stormtroopers are a big thing. People dress up as Darth Vader. Uh, people do do dress up as the Alliance side as well. They do dress up as um, Jedi, uh, X-wing fighters, rebel rebel uh, soldiers, things like that. So cosplay in the Star Wars community is very big. And so, what do you think of Star Wars so far? Um, well, I mean, and, and my pool of knowledge is 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 so very different. Mm-hmm. I can remember in 1977, it was a big movie. It was a big release, and and we literally drove down to L.A. to uh, Man's Chinese Theater mm-hmm. and waited in line for hours. Um, we were underaged and running across the street to a Lions restaurant and, and alternating drinking strawberry daiquiris. Um, it's quite illegal, but that's a, that, that's okay. Nobody can arrest me. Who's going to call? Yeah, yeah. Um, and and so I think by the time we got in the, into the movie, we were a little tipsy. But um, but yeah, it was such a big thing, and the whole idea of going to Grumman's. We went to Grumman's Chinese Theater, and the whole reason for doing it was it had an early version of Dolby Sound. Oh, okay. And and the big thing was to see it with the Dolby Sound on the on the even bigger screen. Mm-hmm. Um, which they had, so it, in and Grumman's Chinese Theater is down in LA. It's where all the handprints are. Oh yeah, no, yeah, no. It, actually, yeah. they actually even have footprints for 
R2-D2 and C-3PO there as well. Oh, very cool. Okay, so so we went, we went there, and um, and it was a, a big thing. Um, I remember, I remember uh, hearing at the time that George Lucas was trying to do serials like they used to have in the forties, mm-hmm. and um, and that he had planned these other that, that there were going to be nine movies in total. Oh, okay. So even when the first one just came out, I remember hearing at that time. That, that this was going to be a series and that these were the middle parts of the series. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. So, so it always was meant to be kind of the middle then. Yeah, and it always was meant to be this this sort of um, serial, this long go- ongoing story, um, like The Thin Man or some of the other things that were... Like, were the, yeah, I can remember yeah. like a lot of like... Um, uh, monster, universal monster movies maybe and stuff like that almost. Yeah, so so it was always intended to be sort of a a, a, a long running franchise. Yeah, cool. Wow. So so yeah, I remember hearing back then that it was that it was going to be a, you know three series of three movies. Mm-hmm. So really, kind of curiosities me, and well, I guess we'll have to talk about this as we after we watch it. Is kind of what happens after um, Rise of the Skywalker. Like, do we go on a hiatus for another? you know, five, six years before we do another Star Wars movies, or do we go right into the 10th movie and 11th and 12th movie here? Do we push forward in any sort of time here? Because the way The Last Jedi ends is not on a high point on any particular level, so... Um, And we're actually very quickly going to, with the death of Carrie Fisher here just about a year ago now, like, we've lost... um, We've lost... With the exception of... Uh, Mark Hamill, which I think at this point would still continue to do Star Wars movies because I think he has a lot of fun doing it. Not he's not in, doing a whole lot else. No, but but he actually does. Actually, Mark Hamill's very very active active man in voice acting. Really, because you don't see him on anything. You don't see him on anything. No, but you I hear his voice all the time. You guess what his most popular character he's ever voiced is? What the Joker. Really, his version of his version of the Joker is what I think of when I hear when I watch the Joker and when any time I see an animated Joker, he he actually Mark Hamill describes um, that he's always been a big Batman fan and he actually yeah. got to be in one of the first uh, Batman animated TV show in the first animated TV show that was on Fox, uh, done by Warner Brothers. He was actually a side character um, in the in the thing, and they were like, well, you know, I always wanted to do like a character in there, and they told him. Well, do you wanna do you wanna do the Joker? And he's like, no, I can't. I can't do the Joker. He's too iconic. I don't. I don't want. I. I don't. I can. I can never do him justice. And he got up and he and he did a. And basically, like the way he sold himself on the Joker was he figured out a laugh, and his laugh was the intention that it was like going up and down on an accordion. So it starts off kind of, kind of, kind of like low and kind of raspy, like a <laughs> like you would. It would go up and down based off the character. It was never meant to, like, no two laughs were meant to be the same either. And yeah. Mark Hamill describes as when he goes to do the, um, when he goes to do the Joker here, that he stands up and he he gets like he crouches a little bit and he gets he throws his entire body into the voice acting when he does it. That's pretty cool. Um, which is again, I think, really super interesting. At the end of the day, that like, because again, part of his problem was that Mark Hamill was typecast after he did Star Wars. Yeah. He tried to get into other TV shows and was finding it, or other movies, was found it very difficult. I remember diffi- something with the Corvette Summer or something. Yeah, like he found it very difficult to get into um, 
other movies um, just to get other roles. And so eventually he found this bit in voice acting, which, again, pays does yeah. can pay really well, and you can get royalties off of that considering, um, again, even now people still watch that animated series because it's so good. Um, cool. But... Well, so so what I know about Star Wars is very little. That's okay. We're gonna. I have not seen all of them. So what we're gonna do is we're actually gonna watch all the movies over the course of the next three okay. weeks, and so the intention being is that um, when we get to Christmas time here, because Christmas I think is gonna fall on a Wednesday this year. Yep. We'll record maybe after the Wednesday. Okay. To allow people, so to allow us to just enjoy the holiday itself. Um, and so next this next week again, I want to. I'm thinking that we watch this in chronological order. Okay, that so makes sense. What we'll do here is I'm going to actually give you four movies to watch here. Okay. So I'm going to give you um, the Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, and we'll get you a copy of Solo as well. Oh. Okay. And so we'll watch these first four movies, and then we'll come back next week and talk about those four movies. Okay. Um, and then the next week after that, we're going to do. Um, Rogue One and then the original trilogy because Rogue One leads right into A New Hope, literally. Okay. Uh, and you'll 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 understand that more when you see it. Um, and so we'll do the original trilogy, A New Hope, uh, Empire Strike Back, and the Return of the Jedi. Um, and then the next week after that, we'll watch we'll do The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, and then hopefully we'll get the chance to watch the movie, and we'll talk about the new movie when we get to it. So Very we'll be cool. able to do each one of the different. Uh, trilogies here, its own justice and so in episodes. Because we could talk quite a bit about elements of um, the the individual trilogies as they're on their own, plus the individual movies. Okay. So, we got our homework coming up here, so it'll be yeah. nice. Again, this is why we're doing Star fun. Wars Month. There we go. So again, I want to thank everybody for listening to us here today. Uh, we'll have all of our show notes on www.nerdtutorialpodcast.com you can also visit us at facebook.com forward slash nerdtutorialpodcast and then online at nerd underscore tutorial on twitter if you have any comic suggestions or future topics I've already started a new list of topics that we have it's already into the 20s of numbers of stuff so we have topics for futures very good um, okay. but again on behalf of myself thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you guys again next time bye, bye.